Well, this morning, we're going to be looking at what is probably a pretty uh, familiar text to most of you. Uh, In John chapter 1, this is, uh, if you've ever been to our Lessons and Carols service, this is always uh, the last passage uh, that we read at Lessons and Carols. And it doesn't say anything about um, Mary or uh, the wise men or any animals. Um, If Matthew and Luke give us uh, the narrative of Christmas, uh, they tell us what happened. Well, John, uh, he tells us, he tells us what it means. Um, So let's give our attention uh, to John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. If you don't have a Bible, uh, we do have it printed for you there uh, in your bulletin. Uh, This is God's uh, holy and inerrant word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born... Not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Let's pray. God, we thank you uh, for these words, and we thank you for your word and your Son, uh, who is the word. We pray now that you would, by your Spirit, uh, enable us uh, to hear him. We pray this in his name. Amen. Well, um, it is uh, Christmas time. Uh, we've got candles up here, uh, greenery um, on the pulpit. That's one of my favorite times of the year. It's full of uh, anticipation and nostalgia and even just kind of a feeling of celebration. Uh, my dad, he used to like to bake um, pecan pies. I say pecan, so let's go ahead and get through that. Um, he uh, liked to bake pecan pies, and he would fill up his truck with them and just drive around with surprise deliveries around Augusta to his friends and people that he knew. Um, some years, he made over 100 pies just to drive around and show up and give to people. But, you know, he would never have done that in August, right? Um, Christmas just kind of brings this out um, in people. 
Um, and it's one thing for it's one thing for Chick Fil A to have two hundred thousand lights on their store, but you know the whole city of Athens lights up at Christmas time. Downtown is lit up. Uh, there is a Christmas tree in front of City Hall in Athens, Georgia. Um, everyone kind of gets caught up into this wave. And yet I'm sure, I'm sure you're also aware that the holidays, uh, they can be hard uh, for a lot of people. Uh, they might be hard for you. There's a kind of uh, pressure to enjoy this time. Uh, that for many of us, it just reminds us of losses. Um, it might remind you of things that you don't have or, or people uh, that you wish were here. Uh, just this week, I have been reminded uh, personally that the world is, is a tragic place. Uh, it, it is not the way uh, that it should be. And if, you, if you've had a bad morning, well, the Chick-fil-A lights might be just the thing to kind of cheer you up. But if you could say with Job that you wish you'd never been born, then the good feelings in the air, they're, they're just not enough uh, to deal with real tragedy, uh, with real difficulties that cry out for real remedies. Uh, for more uh, than sentiment. And the irony, the irony is that in Christmas, we actually do have a promise that tragedy is not the end of things. And so John, uh, John who, who knew Jesus, uh, he walked with him, um, he learned from him, um, he prayed with him, he tells us that the Son came into the world that he made for our sake. This is what, what we call the incarnation, uh, that the word became flesh. And so this morning, we're, we're just going to let verse 14 sort of be an outline um, for us. We're going to look at um, who is the word, what happened when he became flesh, and then, uh, why did he do it? Okay, so who and what and why? Well, first, uh, who is the word? Well, you probably already know uh, that it's Jesus, uh, but we're not told that until we get all the way uh, into verse 17. John starts off by saying, in the beginning. Um, you know, I have this habit of when I, when I see uh, something old, but especially for some reason, if I see a big old tree, um, I like to think about how long it might have been there, and not that trees can see, but all the things the tree might have seen, uh, all the things that might have taken place in 100 or, or 200 years by that tree. Well, in California, uh, there are a couple trees out there that are about 5,000 years old. They've obviously been there uh, for much longer than anyone had ever even thought about uh, something called California, right? Those trees have seen a lot of history. But John, he is not telling us that the word is really very old. Um, he, he's not even telling us that he is uh, the oldest thing. He's saying that he is 
uh, before John the Baptist, even though he comes after him, because he is eternal. Uh, Before there was a creation, uh, the Son uh, was present. He is and he always has been. And then with that phrase, um, in the beginning, combined with these references to light and dark in the first few verses, John is recalling for us Genesis 1 and the creation account. Verse 3 is explicit. All things were made through him. And so God spoke the world into existence uh, with the word as his agent of creation. Uh, He is both eternal and the creator. And he also tells us he was with God. That is, he had a relationship with God because the word is not just a force, but he is a person here. You see the same idea down in verse 18, uh, that he is at the Father's side, uh, more literally, um, in the bosom of the Father or in the fold of the Father. Uh, The Son has always had the most intimate fellowship with his Father. He's always known the Father and known him as Father. And so lastly, uh, the Word is God. Uh, He's eternal and creator and personal, but he is God. Uh, The doctrine uh, of the Trinity is sort of in the background here, and it's John's gospel where we get the most vivid descriptions of Jesus' promise to send um, himself and send the Holy Spirit. Uh, But what I want us to see is that the word both is and always has been God. Uh, that there, there's never been a time when he did not exist as God, the Son, the very source of light and life, so that all that exists has its source in him. This is the consistent message uh, of the New Testament and, and kind, of, kind of Christianity 101. But, you know, I think there's a tendency, uh, maybe in particular when we think about Christmas, to think that God... Uh, sent Jesus, which is true in a sense, right? But if we want to grasp the wonder of the incarnation, we have to see that God sent himself. We have to appreciate this full deity of the Son. And so, so later on in John's gospel, he actually talks about... Um, Isaiah's vision. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but in Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah, uh, he sees the Lord sitting on the throne and his robe uh, fills the temple and there are angels surrounding him and worshiping him and singing, holy, holy, holy. And what John tells us is that Isaiah saw Jesus's glory. That it was God the Son, the eternal Word, who's on that throne. And angels who have never sinned had to cover their face in his presence. This is who the Word is. Uh, He's not uh, Ned Flanders. Uh, He's not a sweet man who might play a pastor in a movie. Uh, He's the maker of heaven and earth. This is. Uh, is the word 
uh, that became flesh. Uh, But what happened? Um, What is going on uh, in the incarnation? Well, verse 9 says he was coming uh, into the world. And our our analogies kind of fail us here. But this is like an author who is writing himself into the story. The son who had always existed, uh, but Jesus of Nazareth had a beginning. Uh, God the Son uh, is eternal, but Jesus is a historical man. He had a birthday, and he knew how old he was. The one who made the world became part of the world. And and in John, world, uh, it doesn't mean uh, the creation or or everything that he's ever made. It specifically has in view uh, humanity as it is in rebellion against his creator. It's the world that did not know him, we see in verse 10. So that even his own people uh, rejected him. Uh, but this phrase became flesh, uh, this, this is even, even more striking. This is what was offensive to Jews and foolish to Greeks. Um, he did not become uh, like a man or simply appear as a man. The divine word became a real man. Uh, like us in every way, yet without sin. And so just as we have to appreciate his absolute deity, we have to understand his utter humanity to really see the mystery and the wonder of the incarnation here. Um, I've got a, a pastor friend who used to build houses. Um, he worked construction and, and ran a business uh, with his father for several years, and he was, he was really good at it. And even though it's been, you know, over a decade, uh, he still kind of, he has this kind of sensitivity uh, to buildings and houses in particular. Um, see, because he knows, or at least he thinks he knows, um, how they ought to be built, uh, he can't not notice the smallest imperfections as he's driving down the road. Um, every little detail kind of, kind of draws the attention of his eye uh, because he knows how, how it's supposed to be. God, the Son, who lived in eternal fellowship with his Father, was fully sensitive to the worldliness of the world. You see, he knew uh, how things ought to be, so he felt every little imperfection of this life, and he felt it more deeply than we can imagine. Uh, You've never felt weakness like he did because he knew omnipotence. Uh, You've never felt rejection like he did because he knew the love and acceptance of the Father. And by entering into the world... The Son of God, in in this high mystery, uh, he accepted limitations for the very first time. Uh, He took on an an openness to suffering and rejection and shame that had never been a possibility prior to Christmas. Um, My two older boys have been uh, learning card tricks on YouTube recently. 
Uh, John, in particular, has a pretty good one where he can snap his fingers and make one card turn into another one. I know how he does it, but he's able to do it in a way that I can't, I can't tell how he's doing it. Um, the thing with card tricks is that um, the closer you get, uh, the, the more uh, you can see what's really going on with your eyes, the more you realize, it's, you know, it's not actually magic. <laughs> it actually is, uh, it is just a trick. Uh, but with a mystery, you see, the mystery is the opposite. Uh, the more you look at it, the more uh, you ponder it, uh, the closer you get to a mystery, the more uh, out of your depth you feel and the more profound uh, it all becomes. Um, so Herman, Herman Bavink said, it is completely incomprehensible to us how God can reveal himself and to some extent make himself known in created beings. Eternity in time, immensity in space, infinity in the finite, immutability in change, being in becoming the all, as it were, in that which is nothing. This mystery cannot be comprehended. It can only be gratefully acknowledged. But mystery and self-contradiction are not uh, synonymous. In other words, he said mystery it doesn't mean illogical and it doesn't mean uh, impossible. It is simply beyond our ability to grasp it. And what we need is faith, uh, not, not a microscope to look closer, uh, but faith. And yet if we, if we stop, if we stop at the mystery... Um, we'll still miss, we'll still miss what's truly uh, important about Christmas. Uh, we need to look at why the Word became flesh. Uh, John elaborates for us a little bit by saying he dwelt among us. Uh, you might know uh, that this could sort of be a little more woodenly translated as he pitched his tent among us or even he, he tabernacled among us. Uh, the tabernacle, of course, that's where, that's where the sacrifices happened. That's where the Ark of the Covenant uh, was kept. Um, it's not really what, what you might expect for a house of God. It wasn't anything like um, Ezekiel's temple or what we see later in Revelation. It, it was just a mobile tent uh, in the wilderness. And yet it's where God uh, filled it uh, with his glory uh, so that he could meet his people there. And he wasn't just like in there <laughs> letting them know uh, that he existed. Uh, he brought them out of Egypt so that he could be with them and they could be with him. And he could say, I will be your God and you will be my people. And so John finishes verse 14 by saying, we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And then over and over in John's gospel, uh, Jesus' glory shows up. And it's always connected uh, with his miracles. And so when he turns water into wine, uh, we're told that he manifested his glory. You get a little glimpse of who God really is. But then in chapter 12, we get this remarkable statement, Jesus is talking about his coming hour when he's going to be lifted up. He's talking about his death on a cross and he says the hour has come 
for the Son of Man to be glorified. In other words, uh, Jesus, the God-man, tells us that his own death is glorious, that it's in his death we grasp why he became man at all. If you were, uh, or if you just remember the Old Testament lesson that we read in Exodus 33, Moses asked to see God's glory. And God tells him of his grace and his mercy. We're not actually told what Moses saw or if he saw anything, but God says it's his goodness uh, that would pass before him. And he tells him he'll proclaim, that is, he will speak to him his name. And then in the next chapter, God gives Moses uh, his word in Ten Commandments on tablets of stone. And then 1,500 years later, God gives the word in flesh. And so no one has ever seen God, but it is the Son's mission to make him known, to show us who God is. The Son has always been the revelation of God. It's through his word that God spoke all things into existence. But in verse 18, we see he has made him known. He shows us who God is. And so the incarnation, it's not just what God did, but it's who he is. And so who is he? Well, God, God is the God of Christmas. He's the kind of God who wants to be with his people, the kind of God who would go to great lengths, to unimaginable lengths to make it happen and not only overcome the darkness, but enter into the darkness of this world and enter into your darkness to take on flesh and die on a cross so that we might become his children, not just so that we would know about him, but so that we might know him as father. And so the incarnation is it's not just a, a theological word for, for seminary students. It is God who comes to make everything right, to light up the darkness. Uh, it is what the world needs. It's all that the world longs for and hopes for. So Christmas, uh, it is about so much more than sentiment. Uh, but we, we can let the world uh, light things up and remember uh, that the word who became flesh, he is uh, the desire of the nations. Let's pray. Father, we thank you uh, for Christmas. We thank you uh, for these glorious truths that you are not a God who is far off, but one who draws near to us. And we thank you that we live on this side of Christmas. We live in the time of the light where it is growing and the darkness is being pushed to the edges. We pray that you would give us faith uh, to believe that, that we would lay hold of you uh, in your word, that your spirit would draw us up to you and fix our eyes on your son. We pray this in his name. Amen.